0: 9 FM. I'm your host, Jake Clark.
1: I'm Eliana Sosa,
0: and we are joined today by a very special guest, uh, currently starring in Forty Second Street.
2: Hmm? Not starring. You're I'm, shaking your head. I'm not starring in it. I'm
0: there. Oh, I thought you were talking about the the, the very special guest thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh no, you, you're in a I show. I can be here. special. Well, oh, certainly. Well, that's that's the that's the premise on which we're selling the show. So that would be. Uh, Julia Ulrich.
2: Yes. All oh, is is it Ulrich director is at Ulrich. That's right. You no, got it. That's good.
0: It's, I, I have the ability to mispronounce anything. It's, it is really a gift.
1: <laughs> Same.
0: Julia Ulrich. Wow. <laughs> no. Um,
1: no. <laughs> no
0: Couldn't manage it. Um, oh, yes. And this is from the unseen Muscombe territory of UBC's Point Grey Campus, if I didn't already point that out. Uh, the, the show, not 42nd Street. Although, 42nd Street is, there, there's no connection. Probably. There's no connection to the
2: First Nations community. Is there? Not so much. No. 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 No.
0: I, 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 I was going to try and pursue that avenue, but no. No. no that not segue.
2: That, that segue crashed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so what is Forty Second Street about?
2: Well, let me tell you. It's about. Uh, well, it's set in in New York, and then they move to Philadelphia. Why Philadelphia? I couldn't tell you. But mm. they go to Philadelphia, and. Uh, the story, story mostly centers around this one young woman, uh, Peggy Sawyer, who has decided that she really wants to be a chorus girl on Broadway. And so she shows up at this theater and tries to audition, but she's too nervous. So she misses the audition, but then she runs into this handsome fella who gets <laughs> her singing and dancing and he's like, you're great. And she gets in the show and then exciting things happen.
0: And It's a musical. It is a musical, yes.
1: What time is this set?
2: It's set in the 1930s, Ooh. but it was written in the 80s, or the musical was written in the 80s, which is kind of interesting. Okay, yeah, I'm
1: excited to. That'll
2: be really cool. And mm.
0: so, if it was written in the 80s, is it kind of a jukebox musical with?
2: Yeah, like so these it's songs? not. Yeah, it's not a ri- original quote unquote music. It's music taken from. I it might the music might have been original for the movie. I'm not sure, but. Um, but it was they didn't write new music for the musical version.
0: What are some of the songs in it that we might recognize?
2: Lullaby of Broadway, oh, super yeah. super well known song. And then there's a song like the title song Forty Second Street, that's pretty well known as well. Um, so uh, yeah,
0: Lullaby of Broadway, baby, don't sleep tight. Yeah. that's the that's, that's the it, one. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I, um, there was a musical about Al Jolson, and that's on it as well. Oh, and I, my my parents used to have the CD in the car, and I remember oh, yeah. saw it, so. I, I know this song. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's a good one.
0: So it's standards essentially. Some of these,
2: yeah, American
0: songbook kind of things.
2: I mean, I don't. I wouldn't call them maybe not American songbook because I feel like those are songs that tend to come up as like jazz standards for for jazz music, Musicians and these ones are not. Not quite so popular, but it's like the, it's the same sort of time period genre kind of thing.
0: Tin Pan Alley
2: pop songs, sort of. Sort of, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's a great genre. It is, yeah.
0: Do you have a favorite in the in the, in the <laughs> show? Lullaby
2: of Broadway, I think, is my favorite one. It's the one that it always comes up, and I'm like, yeah, we get to do this dance. I like this <laughs> dance a lot. It's really fun.
0: And actually, I probably should have asked this earlier, but what role are you playing in the show?
2: I play uh, Phyllis, who is one of Peggy's three friends when peggy shows up at the theater uh there's these three chorus girls who don't really like her so much they think who's this gal trying to trying to take my spotlight but then they realize (laughs) that peggy's actually really talented and they kind of take her under their wing and teach her the ropes and whatnot so i play one of those Oh, so that's
0: pretty endearing. That's fun. And yeah. for this, did, did you have a dance background before this or did you learn on the fly?
2: No, no, no. I do. I have a dance background. I would don't consider myself a dancer, but I can dance, <laughs> <laughs> which only only like true dancers will understand what that means. It's like I didn't train since I was five. I can't like kick my Leg to my nose, any of that kind of stuff. But I can dance.
0: Oh yeah, well, like the full time dancers are like they're they're they're, they're, they're tuned. Like they've are like they're not fit. They're in tune. Yes. Like that's the it's just some they've got to be incredibly just on the ball there. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it.
2: I definitely could not do it.
0: <laughs> I uh, just I remember um, like I, I've seen some really well. Actually, this movie we were we were talking about this before there was a 1930s movie uh, called 42nd Street and I don't I don't, kn- I don't th- know if it's the same thing but it was directed by Busby Berkeley mm-hmm. and that man was is a f- was this giant of choreography like right. those are like the Rockette kind of showgirl routines on steroids and acid yes like they're just <laughs> insane
2: yeah so that's what the musical is based off of and we're doing our best to emulate the style and like like my character is a show girl there's a tons of tons of chorus girls in in the piece and that's kind of the the stylistic vibe that we're going for
0: Was there any way they were trying to sort of get you into the style like to like research slang from the 30s or things like that Well,
2: or? we can't do so much cuz we have, you know, the script. So, can't deviate away from that. But uh there was a couple of moments where in like ensemble adlibs that we were doing our director Robert McQueen would be like mm, I don't know if they said god can i oh can i swear
0: content warning for mild <laughs> blasphemy
2: <laughs> <laughs> i whatever it was like he he'd say i don't know if they said whatever god i was damn. thinking
0: is it, it goddamn sure Okay.
2: Uh, I mean, he gave the warning. I might, It's like might as well. I guess I could have just gone for it. But anyhow. <laughs> if,
0: if, if if that bothers you, you haven't been listening to my show.
1: <laughs> yeah. There you go.
0: <laughs> no, I've I've done a lot more questionable things than mild blasphemy. <laughs> Anyway,
3: <laughs> very oh, excited. Oh, did you want right me now. to go down
0: that road?
1: I do not want you to go no. down that road. No, so we're not going to. I want to know some more we're about not this do that. play.
0: You <laughs> know, no, but so like to, I mean, like to get like sort of the rhythm. Like, oh yeah, we're going to talk like this. See,
2: well, not so. Uh, well, I guess our our the director character in the show, he naturally kind of has that sort of twang to his voice, which oh, is really fantastic. Oh, so that's great. Yeah, so he fits into the period really well. But uh, Robert, our dire- actual director, has been pretty clear. He doesn't want anything put on to the characters, nothing that's, like, unrealistic or whatnot. He has been very clear. A lot of the the style of that period is, like, super clip, uh, clipped very fast, um, no, like big, drawn out, dramatic pauses. That is standard in some types of theater, but he's been uh, very specific about getting all that out. So it's very
0: brisk. It's like, guy, hey, don't you be pulling any of that malarkey. That's stick stuff. No, no, come on.
2: I mean, like, we we want to be able under- to understand everybody. Yeah. You're gotta run
0: away with that George <laughs> and Lenny guy. You no, know, that bad news.
2: <laughs> That's I cannot understand what any of you're saying. And you know, we're gonna talk really fast. See. Eh? No, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> nobody's talking that quick.
0: Sort of always talk out of your of mouth. A little bit like this, see? Yeah, you sound
2: like a gangster now. Well, that's the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we I have don't... a couple gangsters in the oh. show. Oh, yeah, the... yeah.
0: It it j- just to be clear that's in the show, or or, or 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 is it a really strange moonlighting situation?
1: I think it's probably in the show. It's the <laughs> show. Okay,
0: just yeah, checking. Yeah,
1: we got a couple gangsters. The actors are like, excuse me? <laughs>
0: well, that, 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 that depends. So. But, um, okay, okay, fair enough. I was just I was just wondering about that because, like, the 30s were, and the 20s to an extent, they were a huge gangster decade. And that's sort of what you remember about it. Right. But there's also this big impresario Broadway thing, which is kind of funny when you think about it in the context of the Depression. Mm-hmm. Which, that, that's part of the show, right? Like, there's definitely that hanging over it.
2: Yeah, it does come up a couple times. The uh, director character mentions that he's taken a bit of a hit from the Depression, that his like business has has been a little bit difficult. And then uh, one of the major numbers, like production numbers, is called We're in the Money. And it's about these uh, super loose, loose storyline. But it's about these little uh, like street urchin kids that are searching for money in a... Um, in like a street grate, and they get a dime, and they're so excited about this dime, and then we do a whole production number about, like, we've got money! And so it just sort of, like, harkens back to, or it's um, encouraging for all those people in that unfortunate time that were climbing out of their
0: Well, that was a point when a dime did make the difference.
2: Exactly, yeah. the difference, like,
0: Mm -hmm. I'd get you a cup of coffee and some ham and eggs, you know?
2: Totally yes.
0: So then you had the drink talk like this, see? Oh
2: dang it! <laughs> <laughs> I thought we moved we past got back me. there. <laughs> I couldn't.
0: <laughs> it's um, that's, and that's an interesting message to take away from it too, because there's is pennies from heaven in the musical? No, no, because that's like one of those songs I think about uh, from that era as well. That's got that huge theme, you know. Every time it rains, pennies from heaven. Right. Yes. Like that that sort of fantasy thing, which mm-hmm. you know, when you're in a point where it's pretty lean times, like. That's something you got to...
2: Was on their minds. Yeah. Yes, definitely.
0: Well, it's um, I, I'm given to wonder sometimes how people um, actually in sort of in our demographic who are entering the workforce, because we're not entering the workforce in a depression or really even a recession, but we are entering it in a post-2008 world where there's a, a lot of diffuse trust in institutions. Like there's there's a lot less of that. And I'm wondering, to an extent, because I thought about this uh, before, uh, how the mentality now is similar and by a similar and also dissimilar to that around the depression. Is that I does got that lost. make any sense?
1: <laughs> I I think that's a very
2: interesting question. I do not know if uh, this play will get you to the answer. I mean, we don't really have. It doesn't really deal with the institution.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, so, I,
2: yeah, not not quite so much.
0: Makes sense. Like, yeah. I just, I that, that's just one of those things I think about. From it's time a very to time.
2: interesting yeah. question, yeah. but yeah. I don't think. I, I, was just, I was
0: reading about John Dillinger the other day, and uh, well, he became a hero because he robbed banks and he didn't take any money from the people actually in line.
2: Right. So, mm-hmm. oh, the, just like this. mistrust of the of the man. Well, because
0: yeah, and he became a folk hero because that was the first time it was made aware that the banks are insured by the federal government. So right. you don't lose money, but the bank loses money from being robbed.
2: Gotcha.
0: And that's what he would say every time when he's going into the banks, I'm pretty sure. Is he'd in, give,
1: a, give a little lesson right as you're doing it. Yes, hello, I'm a teacher now and I'm going to teach you what's happening.
0: <laughs> well, actually, that's an interesting segue yeah. because
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you are also an educator.
2: I am, yes.
0: I'm assuming nothing to do with John Dillinger.
2: Uh no. (laughs) Not that kind of teaching. No. (laughs) What do you teach? Uh well this past year was my first year of teaching and I taught I taught dance and then I TOC'd in or was a teacher on call in the Surrey and Vancouver district. So I taught all kinds of things. But my (laughs) focuses are English and drama. Sounds right. Yeah, yeah
0: was the decision to teach? Was that always in the picture, or was that sort of a way to um, pursue these interests?
2: Yeah, definitely. It sort of became clear. although I think there was a time, maybe when I was in like grade eleven, I had a really fantastic English teacher, and I thought, oh, i'm gonna I'm gonna be an English teacher one day. And then that completely disappeared. I never thought about it again <laughs> until uh, I graduated from theater school and was out in the world trying to do that and it was very challenging and very upsetting at times and I thought I really need a job that makes me feel like a good person like I'm worthwhile when I don't have acting gigs to make me happy.
0: Exactly that's well that's a great message there you know that's that's certainly a great idea and what's the balance of that for you?
2: Well this year this year uh i did this is my second show i guess i did legally blonde in february
0: that uh, we did the phone interview for that you on did. this show yeah. and, uh, I, I, that was ashley i believe mm-hmm. was there for that as well
2: yeah yeah and i was on my lunch break in a school while we did it which yeah was cool. oh my god that's yeah. so good yeah yeah, that's right. yeah. yeah. Right. i was like okay i need to find a quiet hallway there's kids <laughs> everywhere <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah that was pretty cool so I don't know. It's been a very busy year because of all of the education changes that have been going on. So I've been super busy with that, which is great, Um, but also managed to do Legally Blonde. And then now this, which is excellent. That's what we're looking for is the split and balance.
0: When you think about teaching um, children or adolescence mm-hmm. whatever english or drama and then your own experiences with this very inspiring teacher what do you think the role is in those skills to play like what do you think that especially now sort of comes to as as a benefit
2: um like what is what is my role as as an educator is that what yeah. you're asking me um i mean i hope that i can one, one day, not really right now as a TOC because you don't get that much contact with them, with the kids. But one day I hope to be the kind of teacher that I had that inspired me to pursue this crazy, crazy career. Why am I doing this? <laughs> but, uh, but I had a fan- I had fantastic teachers that made me love it and made me want to do it. And so hopefully I can be that kind of person for somebody else or, or on the f- – not on the drama side for kids to be inspired by literature and and intrigued by the puzzle of figuring out like what's going on here and all of the different aspects that are found within a within a text that's equally exciting to me I think
4: yeah.
2: um, so I don't know and then another thing that I like to bring when I get uh, the opportunity to work with senior acting students because I'm a person that is actually working in the business, which is not necessarily the case for a lot of teachers, is it's important to me to try and teach them, like, what is it actually like to be in the world as an actor? How do you make your resume? How does an audition like? How can we run this class as if it were a actual rehearsal process? So I think that's important. If these if they are senior students who are actually serious about it.
0: That's pretty terrific. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, a little platitudinous, but eh, that's, 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 that's my articulation. I mean,
1: it's really cool. Now,
0: if, if we want to catch the practice of this theory, where and when can we see 42nd Street?
2: Uh, so we open on July 12th. So that's next Thursday. And the shows run every other night. Uh, in in repertory with Cinderella, Cinderella is the other show, um, and it starts at eight o'clock in Stanley Park. How all lovely! All right, bring a blanket.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Bring a blanket. <laughs> see some good shows. Watch some awesome tap dancing. It looks mm-hmm. like
2: mm-hmm. yes, mucho tap dancing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm not going to top that. Uh, so we're just going to take a short PSA break, and we'll be back with uh, more terrific uh, theater and film insights from uh, across Vancouver. Uh, See you in a little bit.
4: Support the women of the Downtown Eastside and spring into the Scotiabank Charity Challenge on June 24th. Join the Downtown Eastside Women's Center in crowdsourcing funds and spreading awareness of their organization, which provides safe space, emergency shelter, basic essentials, and a continuum of support to marginalized women. Go to www.dewc.ca slash run 4 dewc for more information.
0: up at ubc read the
4: ubc it's only the largest student newspaper in western canada and it's written and edited entirely by ubc students the ubc is your source for on-campus news culture
0: and sports new editions come out every monday and thursday for breaking news as well as amazing videos and blogs check out ubc.ca and we're back i'm still jake clark and uh
1: I'm still Liliana Sosa,
0: and I believe we've been joined today by uh, a special guest, which is hello.
3: Hello, I'm here.
0: Howdy, <laughs> sorry. We hey. always we always kind of have to second guess the technology a little bit, <laughs> or maybe I do. Um, you know, poor carpenter blames his tools and that, and that would be uh, Luisa's Jojic. Jojic? Yeah, that's
3: correct. That's right. Jojic. From
0: Bard on the Beach.
3: Yes, that's right. Yeah, and I'm actually calling you from uh, the picnic area here. So um, lots of things going on. There's seagulls fighting for food uh, nearby, some construction airplanes overhead. So hope you guys can hear me okay.
0: Yeah, we can hear you just fine, you know. Surely
1: the seagulls fighting over a french fry is really kind of... Shakespeare. A, They're vicious it animals. It is.
3: It is, it is when, you, when you get right down to it. Very summer, very Shakespeare.
0: Yeah. yeah. Now, like, the, the, the world of the seagulls is such a bleak and violent world, though. Like, it's like, like it, it, it would be like King Lear like, if everyone yeah. was Edgar.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Mm. Yeah.
0: But uh, King Lear is not uh, on the docket for this season, but there are some pretty spectacular Shakespeare productions.
3: Yes, uh, yeah, there are four really really amazing and unique shows going on um, at bard mm. this summer um, and actually the Seagull the Seagull um, uh, simile might work with Macbeth uh, we are doing Macbeth here which is uh, a really beautiful powerful uh, version of this classic play um, really amazingly done and uh, the other show that we're doing is As You Like It which is really joyful and a beautiful musical take on that um, filled with live Beatles music um, so I am that show. I play Phoebe in that show. Um, And then the other show that I'm in is Lysistrata, which is um, in the uh, Douglas Campbell Theatre. And uh, that's a really innovative new production. Um, It's a Bard commissioned adaptation that's been transposed for our time and circumstances. Um, And the other show, and I'm in that one, and I I do play Lysistrata in that show. And then the other play uh, going on is Time in Athens, And that's um, uh, a really great classic play that isn't done very often, and uh, we have a primarily female cast performing um, in that in that production. So yeah, those are the four shows this summer that are fantastic, unique, and amazing. There's something for everybody in this summer's presentations, I think.
0: It sounds like it, and that's that's pretty terrific, because I especially want to focus on um, As You Like It and Liz Estrada, and because you're involved in both of those, because i was very interested in those. I I, I do want to maybe touch on uh, Team One of Athens for a little bit. The Scottish play, I think I can I think I can get behind. Although with the with Macbeth, I do want to say geese, geese. <laughs> <laughs> not, 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 not seagulls for Macbeth I would say that's
3: right you're right yeah yeah there's geese around here too though not just in the place yeah
0: the well I,
3: they, they stop traffic actually on the way down you know often you'll have cars lined up just because the Canada geese are just taking their time walking across the the road um yeah love those so and the
1: geese. they're <laughs> tough yeah.
0: birds like the the car stops like what you looking at yeah <laughs> I'm walking here Exactly, <laughs> they
1: get a they get a New York accent all of a sudden, even though they're from Canada. <laughs>
3: uh-huh.
0: <laughs> well, it's like oh D- Detroit. I picture geese as being well, you know, really close to southwestern Ontario. I'm from southwestern, so just having a Detroit accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that was Southern. uh With uh, with Team One of Athens, I just want to ask a real quick question about that too. Yeah, um, Appamantis is a really interesting character. Yes. Um, and I, I, I'm just sort of wondering how that character is approached in this play. Because, uh, f- for for context, would would you like to uh, sort of pitch that that character is a very interesting character in Shakespeare? Well,
3: you know what, I, I have to say that actually I'm I'm not in that play, um, so I, I would have to leave it to you and your your listeners to actually go and see the, the show. <laughs> um, it's it's one show that I, I don't uh, haven't even been able to see any of their dress rehearsals because our our um, schedules are conflicting. Um, but Megro, who's directing that play, has done an incredible. Job of um, uh, bringing that play into into our time. So they're setting it again. It's set in Vancouver. It's set in our time, and it features Colleen Wheeler playing Time and her team on its, of Athens um, as a woman who has a lot of money, very wealthy woman, and she um, is a philanthropist and she gives a lot of her money away. And she has a lot of friends when she does this, but you know the moment that she doesn't have money anymore, um, her friends aren't there. Um, Meg has done an incredible job of um, adapting this. Play Play and um, uh, presenting it, but I don't know too, too much about it. So to answer your question, I think you just have to go and see the show. But I can tell you about Lysistrata, and I can tell you about As You Like It. So any questions about those? I'm yes.
0: Um, yes. Um, well, keeping with Shakespeare, let's do As You Like It first. So Great. there's this excellent idea to stage it with uh, Beatles music, which yes. is, is very interesting because there's been something of a strange history with Shakespeare and music I believe Kenneth Branagh did Love's Labour's Lost with Cole Porter and Irving Berlin that's Songs. right that's right yeah it's a yeah. weird I'm- movie
3: it, it, is. it is. It's a great, it's a fun movie. And you know what, actually, we did, uh, here at Bard, we did a, a production of Love's Labour's Lost in 2015, which Daryl Cloran, who's the director of As You Like It this year, he also directed that version. And I think he might have been a little bit inspired by the Kenneth Branagh movie because um, our version that we did was set in the 1920s and it was uh, filled with jazz music. So we had, we used jazz music in our production as well. And it turned out to be this really beautiful um, Coupling of of music and of specifically that play um, because it was dealing with themes of love and friendship and um, the music just fit really really well into it. And, and I think that's when the idea to do this play, um, and couple it with Beatles music may have started germinating. Um, so yeah, Shakespeare does lend itself really well to, to music and musicals. I think there's, there's been so many ballets done on different, uh, different Shakespeare plays and operas. Um, but I don't know if it's been done with Beatles before. I actually don't know. I think, I'm not sure if this is a first, I think it, I I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't go on the record as saying that. It's it's (laughs) sort of a meeting of
0: these two massive institutions. Well, that's like uh, and
3: you, you have like you know Shakespeare, which is the um, you know, just the, the beauty of the language, this this um, ultimate expression of poetry and of character and storytelling. And then with the Beatles, you have this ultimate expression of of music and storytelling. And uh, putting the two of them together was a really exciting idea, and um, it's just turned out to be a phenomenal a phenomenal show to do, and it's being received so so well. It's probably one of the most fun. Productions that I've ever been a part of. Yeah, for
0: sure. Because there's, Bard tends to do, um, pretty good mix of drama and comedy like with yes. i i missed much ado about nothing last year and i'm really i, I still kind of kick myself about it that was
1: so it was, good
0: yep yep yeah. so was, yeah. so so i am told by everyone who's seen it <laughs> and that that's so you
3: can't miss as you this year you have to
0: come. I, I i can't although i'll okay. uh, although iliana here will probably be reviewing it Hi. and i'll probably see it on my own dime in august but that's <laughs> and that's that's important to me though to see it because it's I, I really think that the comedies in Shakespeare are like the tragedies go to these horribly dark places, and the problem oh, plays you. are just, you know, yeah. those are those are exercises to do, but the comedies too they they make you feel great about life, which I guess thank also. You also the music of the Beatles does
3: yeah, absolutely absolutely so put the two of them together and you've just got the roof being blown off the tent really <laughs> like
0: everybody's just so happy and
3: joyful at the end of this play because you have as you're saying this the the joy and the fun of the comedy but just heightened by the joy and the fun of the the music of the Beatles it really is an it, it's it's joyful it's joyful to perform and um, it's a joyful feeling at the end of the night when the when the audience is clapping and enjoying what they've they've just seen and heard so this yeah
0: may, may, this may be a silly question but uh is across the universe one of the songs
3: we don't we do have across the universe and sorry we have over 20 i'm just trying to clock in my mind when no, that, yes we do we do have that song it does come in and uh it's really fun i think the audience part of the fun for the audience is them recognizing certain songs and then going oh that song is coming at this moment that's so perfect you know and, and kind of putting that Together, Uh, Ben Elliott, who's our um, who's our sound uh, guy, our music director, um, he had a lot to do with positioning the songs where they would come in the in the play. And uh, between him and Daryl, the the placement of the songs just again just emphasizes um, just adds so much to the play. So I think the audience has a great time uh, registering the songs and where they come.
0: Yeah, that's that's quite a fascinating synthesis. I'll have to. That's just that, that that's my favorite Beatles song. So.
3: Okay, it's uh, it's his well, personal then, yeah, just personal interest for me.
0: It's like, <laughs> It's a good
3: wait. song. It's, 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 it's got quite an entrance. That's what I'll say. It's got quite uh, an entrance.
0: <laughs> just, I'm just picturing it happen during the wrestling match. Like, this is an interesting soundtrack choice. <laughs>
3: I don't know if your listeners know about that, but yes, also, I have to say (laughs) it's the most fun starting of a Shakespeare play I've ever done. We do a pre-show. So everybody who comes has to come, make sure you're in your seats 15 minutes before the show, because um, we do start with a wrestling or a series of wrestling matches. Um, So the play is set in 1960s in Vancouver. And at the time, actually, um, our all-star wrestling was a big thing in Vancouver. And so the idea is, um, that Duke Frederick is is running this is running the town and uh, is running this wrestling match, and so we start with a series of um, of wrestling matches, and it's just so fun and so exciting. I play uh, one of the wrestling managers at the beginning of the show, and and I do actually get my turn in the ring. Um, it is hands down yes. one of the most fun things that I've ever done, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's just a great time. So um, no, that song does not appear in the wrestling match, but uh, another song does, and uh, you'll have to come and see to figure out which one that one
0: is. I will. I really <laughs> yeah. do want to know which song that is. And um <laughs> I'll let you I'll let you guess. <laughs> to shift gears a little bit, I I yeah. love Aristophanes and I'm very interested in them in the the plays, but there's always trouble adapting them. Right. And Lysistrata yeah. is probably his best known play, but I've yeah. seen a lot of different readings of that play and a lot of different sort of ideas on it, like whether it is a, um, a, a whether it is an adaptable play, whether it is just too topical to um, yes. the Athens of the time, whether it's a chauvinistic play, whether it's a feminist yep. play, whether it is something else. And I just want to know how uh, how you guys are approaching that and what your take on it is
3: yeah that is those are excellent excellent questions thank you for that um yeah so uh lois anderson and jennifer wise are the two women who have adapted this this um this play lisa Estrada, for bard this season and um They've done a marvelous, I think, an absolutely marvelous job about making it topical, about um, uh, acknowledging the fact that the play was written 2,400 years ago, um, about dealing with all of those questions that you just asked, because Jennifer and Lois asked themselves those questions as they were, um, as they were tackling this play. Lois Anderson is also directing the play as well. Um, she's a UBC grad, too, just like me. and uh, she directed Pericles, which uh, which I was also in um, two two years ago, two thousand and sixteen. Um, anyhow, between her and Jennifer, they've done a fantastic job. so the the premise of of this show is that um, it's two thousand and eighteen an an all-female cast is set to perform Hamlet here at Barton the Beach, and it's going really, really well. It's super successful. People have come to see Hamlet. but um, Rezoning signs have been popping up all over Vanier Park and in this area, saying that the park is going to actually be turned into a shipping terminal. So in response, we, the women who are performing or supposed to be performing Hamlet, decide that we are going to stage um, a play um, as a form of protest. And we actually decide on on staging Lysistrata, this 2,400-year-old comedy about um, citizen action, you know. That's been taken by a group of people that um, otherwise wouldn't have been stepping up and speaking out, which at that time, the time that it was written, um, were Athenian housewives. So that was quite a funny thing, you know, for everybody to know, Housewives taking on politics. Um, but we're deciding to, to stage this play as a form of, of political protest um, with like no rehearsal. So the idea is we we hijack the theater. Uh, we put on this play. Uh, we get Christopher on board. <laughs> um, he agrees to let us do it. And uh, then then the audience then sees us performing this play with costumes that we've made, set that we've made. But interspersed with all of the list of strata scenes you see the scenes of us um we play ourselves as well in the in the place so you see us as as actors and us as people navigating what it means to stage this play here and now um examining our relationship with activism today and um ultimately you know offering the idea that uh, taking action means listening to each other and, and working together for, for a greater good. So that I think is at the the heart of the play. And also there's a really beautiful through line that's been uh, created with the help of uh, Hulania Sparrow, who is from the Musqueam nation and she's performing in the play. Um, uh, and uh, th- we're looking at w- the land where this play is actually taking place. And uh, through through the play, we, the characters who are on stage, and also the audience as well, learned about the history of this place. Uh, that it was once a village called Snock, um, that was a Coast Salish village. And we learn about that that history and how, um, yeah, which is a, a really you know was a surprise to me. Um, I learned that in the process of rehearsal, so I'm really excited for audience members who are going to be coming to see the show uh, to be learning about that. It's a really beautifully, beautifully um, done uh, rendition of this play, making it very timely and very specific for this play uh, place. Um, so I'm really, really proud to be to be a part of that play. Very excited. Yeah.
0: So this is as much a comment on the the play and a remix of the material as it is yes. uh, a, a contemporary thing. All right, Absolutely. that's Yeah, that and it's still uh, it,
3: yeah, it it's it's so so it's got this contemporary um relevance but it's also it's also very funny as well. So it still it still looks at these the sort of the gender politics that are in there. Does it in a you know, the people who are coming to see a traditional stage, you can post Estrada will be like, "Whoa!" <laughs> we'll still be laughing because there's a lot of that. Um, there, there's a lot of body comedy stuff in there, but it's, yep. yeah, yeah, but it's balanced.
0: So. Well, that's what you, that's what you go to Aristophanes for.
3: Exactly. Like that—that's what's
0: endured—is this almost burlesque uh, comic tradition. Exactly.
3: Really. Exactly. And Barbara Clayton, who's done our costumes, um, she has helped a lot with that. Our costumes are brilliant, and uh, a lot of the comedy is in the costumes. Like she's—she's—she's she's, she's brilliant. She's brilliant, and what she's done is just fantastic. So.
0: And now, by staging yeah. this play within a play as sort of almost an improvised performance. Is this is this rather a Brechtian thing almost? That's what it's almost. Conjuring.
3: yes, I would say almost. And you know, as um, as someone who's um, this is my eighth season at Bard on the Beach, this is unlike anything I've ever done at Bard before, and um, uh, so rehearsing this play has been. So- so fantastic and interesting and funny and wild and different be- because of that that element um, and also the element of the workshopping. Like we we have been workshopping um, the the Vancouver scenes as we've been going along. You know, seeing um, we 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 want to make it you know very relevant. We want to make and and very specific and um, yeah. So there's a there's a continual evolution in um, in in the building of of these scenes which. Ultimately, the audience, yes, should get this feeling that that we are that it that it's improvised. That this is this is not scripted material. So it's really fun, really fun to do.
0: Yeah. And with the original text, because this is because this is not a traditional performance. This is a commentary on the text. Was this the original concept, or was it the uh, was? Did you kind of look at the text and figure this is problematic and needs to be reworked accordingly, or did you start think- with this aim and think, okay, let's estrada.
3: No, I think, I think they started with the idea, I'm not 100% sure, but I do think that, um, that Bard and Lois started with the idea of doing Lysistrata proper. And then once Lois started looking at the text, started thinking, you know, how can we make, um, what would be an exciting and fun take on this? And I think that's when that's when the evolution of the text started happening. So um, we do have, like, all of Lysistrata is in the play. Like, we are doing the list. The play Lysistrata, we have the scenes of Lysistrata in there, but interspersed within um, those scenes are the the Vancouver scenes that are sort of reflecting on on that as well. Um, yeah. That's so that's yeah. that's well,
0: the what, idea with that. Did you did you check out any other Aristophanes for this, or just focus <laughs> so? On?
3: Yeah. Funnily enough, um, for for myself, I did take a look at some some other. Um, uh, when I heard that that Lysistrata was the play that was going to be done, I started taking a look at different translations. And I find translations so fascinating and so interesting. Um, you know, being a, a UBC alumni and, a, and an alumni of the Arts One program, I had a, oh, a really? chance to yes, me oh too. My gosh. <laughs> oh, so fantastic! Like just love, best year of my life. Um, so so good. Uh, but I had a had a lot of opportunity to um, look at translation and and, and in literature. Uh, through that program. So I I read a few different versions and um, I didn't read any version where I was like oh this is so great (laughs) this is so funny. You know a lot of the times I was like oh the language just didn't quite do it for me. So I have to say that this adaptation of Lois Anderson and um, uh, Jennifer um, oh my gosh Jennifer Wise that's right. Am I saying her name right? Let me just make sure. Yes. Um, uh, Yeah she is uh, amazing. Um, she is, as far as I know, um, uh, in addition to being a playwright, she's also um, a, uh, uh, a professor at a university. So she is like, Aristophanes is her thing. And she did this translation. So she translated from the Greek into English all the Lysistrata scenes, And she's kept it for the most part in, in verse. Um, and she's done a really beautiful job. So as somebody who comes from a Shakespeare background where I deal with iambic pentameter, um, she's done a fantastic job of um, keeping um, the verse and the 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 rhythm of the piece, but making it modern and making it interesting and not clunky. And that's that's the big thing. like it it's really it's quite fun to speak the words that she's uh, translated. Um that's very yeah. interesting
0: with Greek because Greek is usually dactylics, right? Like it's
3: Right. Oh, see so you know, you know a bit more than I
0: do. <laughs> it's, uh, well, I know that the Iliad and the Odyssey are in I think dactylic hexameter.
2: That's right. That's
0: right. Oh, It's coming back. <laughs> I cannot
2: help you on this. I, <laughs> this is I, something I don't
0: know. I I've, I've I I like I like a lot of um uh classical uh things so that uh yeah, but I I know that it's a different pronunciation thing and that's a difficulty with uh, ad- adapting it and translating it into English yeah. in the original form.
3: Yeah. So it's not, it's not, um, it's not predictable. Like it's not in predictable verse where every you know, in rhyming couplets or straight up iambic pentameter, oh, um, it, it, it varies, but there's enough of a verse structure where you go, Oh, this is heightened language, um, but it's not alienating. And it's not uh, like it, it actually feels, Yeah, it feels contemporary in a lot of ways, which is, and accessible, which is what you hope for when you're, as an actor anyway, when you're speaking, when you're speaking verse or or poetry. Um, We use, we use a, a prop, a script prop. Um, during the, the play, um, and uh, I was looking through it. It's a, it's an adaptation, and I was looking through it, and it's just really funny, again, to, now having been speaking Jennifer's uh, translation, uh, going back and reading these sort of older translations of, of the play and looking at some of those lines and being like, oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just a very funny, different, different take on it. So I think she's done a marvellous job, yeah, and it's really exciting to, to speak it.
0: Well, we'll have to check it out. Where and yes. when can we catch it? This is Bard on the Beach?
3: Yes, Bard on the Beach, so down at Vanier Park. So we're the red and white striped tents. Uh, if you're, like, crossing the Burrard Street Bridge, you you can kind of look down and see the tents. Um, and we we start previewing um, tomorrow. So we start previewing Strata tomorrow night, and then we run until uh, September, I think, the 13th. Let me just double-check and make sure. Uh, yeah, we run until September 13th. Um, we've got shows all throughout the summer. Shows are um, always at 7.30 p.m. in the evenings. Um, we also have matinees on at 2 p.m. And we have special fireworks shows as well, if people are interested in that, where you, you buy your ticket and you get, like, dinner and fireworks and, and a show, all of that. Um, and then As You Like It, we've already opened. So we run uh, from now up until September 22nd. And we might be holding the show over as well because it's just doing so well. So, All yeah. right.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll have yeah. to check it out.
3: Yes, you do. You do have to check that out and um, check out all the shows because I think once once you see one, you'll be so curious about what you know what's happening in the other tents and what the other directors are doing. So, yeah.
0: All right, it was great talking to you, Louisa. We got to take a quick PSA break, but we thank you very much for calling in. Has been, thank you so has been great much. Thank you so much. Got to look forward to going to Bard. All right. Great.
3: Thank you so much for having me on your show, and we'll see you down here at the tent.
0: Hey, it was a pleasure. Yeah. See you down there.
3: Okay. Bye. Bye. Uh,
0: that was our interview with uh, Louisa Jojic of Bar of the Beach, and we're just going to take a quick PSA break, and we'll be right back with a short review of American Animals and some tips on a free screening, or, or multiple free screenings, actually. Ooh. Yeah, fun stuff.
3: Discordianism is a religion in subsequent philosophy.
0: Based- Discordian fights seem to be much more forgiving of the normals. Yeah.
3: The goddess of chaos, or archetypes, or... It's so a really heavy
0: interest in
3: Discordianism. It founded after the 1963 publication of its holy book, The Principia Discordia.
4: Discorder magazine has been Vancouver's longest-running, free, badass, independent magazine, 35 years strong. On Saturday, July 21st, celebrate 401 issues of Discorder Magazine with an all-ages party at Red Gate. There will be performances by BB, Francesca Belcourt, Morning Coup, and the New Rituals, guest hosted by Duncan's Donuts, and featuring a photo booth, Giant Twister, and more. Tickets are a suggested donation of $10 and doors open at 8. For more information, visit CITR.ca or find the event on Facebook.
0: We're back. I'm still Jake Clark.
1: I'm still Liliana Sosa.
0: And so I recently saw a movie at Van City called American Animals.
1: Yes, please tell me about it. I'm like already intrigued.
0: This is not the free screening. This is um this is a recent film. I think I think it was made this year. Um it about a I believe a real heist uh in Lexington, Kentucky from Transylvania University. There were no vampires, which is kind of disappointing, Uh, but Transylvania University in 2004 uh, was home to uh, very rare books, including a large collection of Audubons, uh, prints of American birds, paintings of American birds, Mm -hmm. and uh, I believe, uh, oh yeah, first edition of Origin of the Species. Oh. So pretty valuable books. Uh, And these guys uh, decided to steal them, try and steal them. Uh, that was, uh, Warren Litka, played by Evan Peters. Uh, Spencer Reinhardt, played by Barry Keoghan. Uh, Chaz Allen, played by Blake Jenner. And, uh, Jared Abramson. Uh, oh, Eric Borsak, sorry, played by Jared Abramson. Also, Udo Kier is in this, really <laughs> briefly, as, uh, Mr. Vanderheck, but he's still, like, built above Eric Borsak. I don't know why he's, like, one scene, but uh, he's Udo Kier. It's fun to see, uh, it's always good to see Udo Kier in a movie. Um, and... I do want to say like this is a it's an interesting heist movie because it uh it does blend I I believe uh the real uh Warren Spencer, Eric and Chaz intervie- being interviewed into the story. At one point he shows up 24 hour party people style and goes, "I don't remember this." <laughs> I don't remember this conversation. But um and it's, on on the one hand like, it's very interesting to see how um, they do this aesthetically. Like, Spencer's very normcore, whereas Warren is, like, sort of a, this erratic hipster. Also, uh, Evan Peter's accent and delivery really reminds me of Johnny Depp. He's also from Kentucky, eh? Oh, wow. He is. So, like, they, they're just... He's slightly southern in points. Got the Kentucky accent slightly, but not really. Because Lexington, Kentucky is a city. Like, it's, it's, it's a big city. Yeah. And a lot of the time, there's a bit of, like, the accent doesn't always present itself. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you don't have to tell me that I'm from well, Texas.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. Do you ever find yourself with the, find the accent coming out a little bit?
1: Um, I don't think I notice it until someone I had someone at my job today be like, "Hey, are you from like Texas?" And I'm like, "Yes." He's like, "San Antonio, Texas," and I was like, "Oh my god, you like pinpointed how?" And he's like, "You just have that voice," and I'm like, "Oh my god." So I think sometimes, I think for people who don't realize that they're doing their accent. It ha- it's like a weird thing.
0: Well for, well, for me, it's like apparently I sound like I have a Chicago accent.
1: That's so great. Apparently. <laughs> I don't know
0: why, but it's like I think when I don't think about it, it gets a lot more nasal. Like I say, "Tirana," because huh. Chicago, Tur-, Chicago, Tirana, you know, sort of thing. You know, it's, it's not really a great accent because, like, it's the Bears, you know. Go see the Bears. The
1: Bears. The Bears, <laughs> the bears
0: yeah. It's sort of like that, you know it's not really a Canadian accent. I don't know, like, really, if I have a Canadian accent. More that I think about it, you know, I don't say a boot a lot. But <laughs> then again, I don't know if I, if I can catch it or not. It's kind
1: you like you were sla you like we're doing really well in the Canadian accent, and then by the end of it, it sounded very Irish. Well,
0: that's got you. oh no, that's the Newfoundlander accent, dar. That's you um, got to do. You got Newfoundlander accent, you know. I'd be stay where you are. I'll go where you're at. You know, sort of thing.
1: I think we've uh, Very musical. Put our, quota, put our quota for uh Accents, Jake accents. random <laughs> singing,
0: insult yeah, insult groups of people. Yes, yes. So we've yep, done that for we've the done show. Them. <laughs> anyway, American Animals is pretty good. <laughs>
1: Yeah, is it is it like kind of like a fun heist movie? Or? Uh,
0: fun, not really. I do want to say this is that it, I, 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 it's it's not the best movie I've seen this year, but it is an interesting movie and it is an inventive uh, movie, especially with its sort of semi-documentary um, approach to things. And it's, it's it's the 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 pitch on IMDb is the following: Four young men mistake their lives for a movie and attempt one of the most audacious heists in U.S. history and
1: that sounds like a really fun kind of it's
0: interesting how it goes because they prepare for the caper by smoking weed and watching the killing that's the stanley kubrick like like a bunch of and res- there's reservoir dogs references too, like by watching heist movies
1: that's kind of hilarious but that's... i don't like is it the, like i'm wondering if cuz it seems like it's really like a like a fun Interesting kind of funness. Let's like, try
0: to. There is, but when it, it gets real with the heist.
1: Oh, okay. Because so
0: the, it... they, there's them imagining the heist is a great scene because the fantasy scenes is like a little less conversation by Elvis. Um, and it's super smooth and slick. And I'm like, if this is the actual thing, they are shooting this incredibly stylistically. But it, it, it does go to great lengths to point out like how. In some ways, inventive, but also how badly their plans suit reality.
1: Oh, I think I kind of like that. I think that's a really interesting take of how what like our fantasies of like heist movies, since we do see well, a lot of heist movies. The are. thing
0: is, they're not criminals; they're bored college students. <laughs> Which, although you know what, this is the thing—they're they're all like they're all like middle-class white kids, basically. Oh, okay. Um, and they do this. The, the thing that they touch on a lot is that they do this for a sense of adventure or a sense of meaning. And Warren is the character. Like the movie starts with um, with Spencer, but it's really Warren's movie. And uh, Evan Peters gets, I think, a, um, a a slightly he gets, I think, probably the the largest range perform, performance wise of the four. Um, although although um, Jenner as, as Chaz Allen gets some really like he gets a really frightening hardcore scene at one point. Ooh, he's he's good with it. Um, but they're like they're in the two thousands, and like. It seems trite now to look back then 2000s and think about a distrust of government. But at the same time, like in the States, like if you're like Warren at one point, he's on a football scholarship. Mm-hmm. And he, bas- he basically stops caring and ends up losing the scholarship. And then when he's asked about this, asked about this, he basically goes, you know, I've been working on I've been trying to be on, be on this team. I was four years old and I just realized I don't know why. And then I I was thinking about that, and I just wonder how much does actually you know I'm going to look that up right now Transylvania University tuition, and I
1: it's probably a lot
0: <laughs> yeah because here's the thing the thing about that is that like if your um an annual list is uh for forty eight thousand uh, seven hundred ninety dollars a year um uh, that 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 includes the board and books so that you add it up, um, that's well that, that's 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 so that's close to two hundred grand uh, for a degree. And that's not like UCLA is like a hundred thousand a year, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I
0: think. I I I, I don't know, I don't know either. the amount for public I, I think they adjust it for public universities, but the um uh, oh this college data.com might have it. But the thing is that the price is that exorbitant and I, th- I think that in in a lot of the towns in this area, I think in a lot of I, – I really do wonder about how in the States there's the actual valuation of experience because the debt is so big and because even if you're coming from a family that has been working to provide for that. Like if you're coming from a middle-class family in Canada, like assuming the the general fiscal responsibility, you you'll be able to – manage attendance at university like you, you you might have to take out a loan you pr- probably might have to take out a loan but it's manageable it's an attainable idea mm-hmm. like the, these families are not doing badly and they, they take great pains to point this out in the movie that these are very nice comfortable suburbs they're living in but still lose the scholarship you're no longer attending university yeah so that's the weight of it there and maybe as a canadian this sounds unusual to me this sounds pretty exorbitant to me
1: yeah, um i mean i'm like studying up here so um i don't know the kind of college american collegeism intimately that well since i go here and you can tell how i feel about that yeah um well. but i mean that's i mean scholarships are especially like a huge thing, like um, I, I'm kind of. I guess I'm trying to figure out what the question is. Is the question?
0: Well, it's it's like um, basically what I'm trying to work up to is that the movie. I think especially now, especially when the because of I think the internet has done a lot of this. This understanding that the debt piles on people and you can't declare bankruptcy for it. So it's wage slavery.
1: Oh yeah, most definitely. That, that's that's uh, what it is. Yeah, for it, I know for a while that um that having kind of like the idea of getting a loan or anything like that or being in debt was like you're going to get fucked
0: over for life. Well, that's the thing is that if you have something this high and you're taking out loans for this, especially if you're working a dead-end job, if that's your primary source of income, then you're going to end up paying into the interest before you pay the principal. Yeah. And then that's when it becomes insurmountable. And the, the thing is that when I thought about this, especially the scene, again, with Warren, when you're looking at a very comfortable family like where normally like you'd think they would be able to provide for an only child going to university – Mm. But when there's still the the, the point made that he's got to he's got to play ball and be on scholarship, and the, the whole oh the, the athletics thing too, they don't touch on that in the movie, but that's one thing that occurred to me because I, I think that is in, insanely corrupt, I really do. Um, in in universities where you're going to charge fifty grand a year, mm-hmm. and then you're you're going to base relief on that on your ability to throw a ball, is to, to me, one it, it, it it's arbitrary to a point of cr- near criminal responsibility.
1: Oh, most definitely. Like, there's like college, like basketball or college football, and every like kind of college sports in their own way is. I could literally go on like a huge rant about how kind of terrible yeah. they are.
0: But like that's not that's not devaluing athletics, but like the the culture around it. You
1: know, yeah, I think it's that, not that. Um, I think that. The sports are bad, like they're very enjoyable to watch. It's just more of how the kind of structure that has uh that is keeping the players themselves from kind of profiting off it.
0: Well, yeah, because the, the players that they're not making anything from what is a whole lot of work to do,
1: yeah, what and, can
0: compromise their academics, which is why they're at the university,
1: yeah, and that a college kind of those college sports specifically are like a hugely watched thing.
0: Actually, yes. Uh, How much money do they ring in?
1: Oh, my God. They probably ring in so much. I mean, you have, like...
0: There's a lot of... Because I imagine there's a lot of donors. Yeah, a lot of
1: ads, a lot of sponsorships.
0: Uh
1: Yeah. And that money, I don't think it's going to the players.
0: No, it really isn't.
1: It really isn't. So, it's just... Yeah. I mean, that's a totally different thing. But Um, I think we want to... I think it's... I think this character would be really interesting because he Sort of really Yeah. Middle he's like a middle class but he also upper, has that scholar class. Upper yeah. middle class and still has like the scholarship. I still think that it I think that the kind of even the focus of like even if they're doing really well, focusing on the uh scholarship that he's not getting is still an important thing. Uh or just like an interesting way because I think a lot of um kind of as you uh, I don't know where I'm going with this it, it's almost it's it,
0: it, it, when you think about it enough it'll make you think you know what let's steal some books <laughs>
1: yeah and I hear that you can get like tickets do you have like a deal yeah they they're,
0: they're at, so they're at Van city theater uh, that's that's at Van city uh, I believe at, uh, at is it today there are also free screenings I do want to point this out because we are running short on time. Um, but there is a there are free screenings coming up uh, for Cedar Things the Blues, which is a movie I, I downright love. Um, uh, that is July fourteenth at the Museum of Vancouver. Definitely check it out. It is it is a really beautiful um, really beautiful movie. Um, American Animals, I don't believe, is actually showing in Vancouver anymore, but it, it'd be worth checking out. It, it really is. It's an indie movie. It's going to be making the circuits. Um, and then another one is uh, an adaptation of Khalil Gibran's The Prophet. I haven't actually, I've never actually read Khalil Gibran, but is one of the authors, uh, poets, I believe, right? Who I don't know. <laughs> I've, I, I've anyway. People, a lot of people tell me to read Khalil Gibran, and this is, I believe, a youth uh, initiative. Uh, It is at Ron Basford Park on the 13th, I believe. Um, And it is an adaptation, it might be in VR, an animated adaptation of The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. Yeah, so uh, worth checking out. Um, And uh, yeah, that'll be the size of it. Uh, For the next few shows, I will not be here. Ileana, you will be taking the reins.
1: Yeah, I hope I do a good job without you. I'm going to miss you, though.
0: You will. It'll probably be a much more streamlined show.
1: I do not believe that one.
0: Yeah, it'll probably make sense. Um, So the Medicine Show is coming up right after us on CITR 101.nfm, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam territory of UBC campus. I'm Jake Clark.
1: I'm Ileana Sosa.
0: And uh, cheers.
3: Don't make it your last.
0: Look, this thing might be bigger than even we think it is. Do you need an upgrade to the soundtrack to your life? Perhaps a song from a film or a tune from TV? My name is Gap. Exploding Head Movies is here to give you sounds from the cinema, along with the songs that will be defining your future, and those forgotten classics that need a little rescue. Loading head moves. Monday, 7 p.m. on CITR 11.9 FM, Vancouver.
1: I'm Shani from Ipsy. You're listening to CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. Let's see here.
0: Uh